0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Today's guest is doing both of those things. She's an entrepreneur and also a television producer and writer named Wendy Miller. And she's created this really fun product. It's a deck of Oracle cards called Ask Your Gay BFF. So you ask it a question about your life and it gives you a fun gay answer. And it's how you... Decide what you're going to do with your life It's a very important tool I love talking to people that are coming up with their own businesses I think that's really cool And I relate a lot to Wendy's adventures So it's super fun to talk to her But before I get to the interview I want to remind you that this podcast Dennis Anyone is brought to you by me I pretty much do it. So if you want to support the podcast, um, keep it going, help cover the expenses that come with it, there are two things you can do. You can go to DennisAnyone.net slash support and leave a tip in my virtual tip jar. It helps me cover the expenses. I really appreciate it. Or I'd love it if you considered becoming a subscriber to DNRStudios.com. I'm part of a group of shows uh, that are on that channel, and you get my show two days early, and you get all these other great shows. So you can learn about that at DNRStudios.com. Dot com. All right, that's enough of the plugs. Here now is the interview with Wendy Miller. Joining me now from Sherman Oaks, California, right here in the Sunny Valley with me, even though it's a little drizzly, it's Wendy Miller. She's founder of Card to Believe. Uh, that's the company. And she's come up with these amazing oracle cards called Ask Your Gay BFF. They're delightful. Hi, Wendy. I'm so
1: happy to be here. Hi,
0: well, first of all, you know, I co-created a party game, so I have a soft spot for people that do these kinds of things that go from maybe there's an idea here, I don't know, and the next thing you know, you're talking to printers in China and you're setting up a website, and it's a thing and <laughs> that's so, absolutely right yeah right and it's and it's my thing has brought so much joy and opened up so many things in my life, so i I love talking to other people that do things like this, that take a random fun idea and turn it into something. So where did the initial idea come from?
1: Well, uh, as a writer, I've learned that uh, your stupidest ideas are always your best ideas. And during the pandemic, a friend of mine who's a psychic medium, because, you know, L.A., um, she gave me an Oracle deck. And she said, if you ever need answers, ask the deck and you'll get the answers you need.
0: So is it kind of like a magic eight ball of cards? Is that what an or- yes. oracle deck is?
1: Well, well, there are different types of oracle decks. It's right. not as defined as tarot, which is very specific. Right. You know, Ace of Cups, all these things. Oracle decks, there's a little bit of leeway in there. But for, um, for that sake, it was, yes, ask a question and you get your answer. And so uh, I was grateful for the gift. And, and I remember uh, every morning I walk four miles. It's kind of my daily reset. And I was on my walk, and I thought to myself, you know, I do not get my life advice from disjointed voices in the sky. Right. All of my life advice comes from my gay BFFs. So I'm going to create an oracle deck in the voice of my snarky, judgmental, hilarious friends. Right. And that way, if you ever need guidance, maybe you're in the middle of a gay emergency and there's nobody around to help you. You pull a card and you have your answer. And just like you said, next thing you know, I'm communicating with China. I'm learning about <laughs> packaging. Right. I gathered a bunch of my friends and we started writing these decks and we had a bunch of interesting rules. And it just kind of was one of these things where I just made a few. I gave them to people and they went bonkers. I'm like, oh, that's really fun. I've, okay. So I made some more. Just like right. 10 at a time. Again, people buying them out of my hands. I was at a trade show and I'm getting ready for Fenton Bailey to speak, right? The producer of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm sitting there and I'm shuffling my deck of cards and I see this woman kind of staring at me and she goes, what are those cards? And I said, Oh, it's an Oracle deck and you can ask them questions. She goes, can I ask the deck a question?" And I go, okay. And she goes, do you have a partner?
0: (laughs) I'm like, Oh, it was her hit? She was hitting on you.
1: <laughs> she was totally cruising me.
0: That's think, amazing. Okay.
1: But here's the thing. If you have one chance to talk to, like, your magical oracles, right. are you really going to blow that chance to ask the person holding the deck if they're dating someone? Like,
0: she was got, into you. Like, she was into you.
1: You got a golden ticket, and you don't right. you don't take the fizzy lifting drink and leave. Yeah. You know? It's like you want to have the whole experience. Anyway, I I just started laughing. I said... Yeah, actually, I mean, you could ask the deck, but I do. I'm I'm married. It's like, okay. But I mean, it was just like one of these things where I was at a barbecue and TV's Daisy Duke bought a deck out of my hands. Like, they turned into this giant thing. And I thought, well, I guess I could be a grown-up and actually, like, open a company and form an LLC. Like, I don't want to do any of that, but I thought, why not? And so I formed this company. I had a bunch made. And now I'm selling them all over the place and people are loving them. And it just makes me so happy because of bringing happiness to people. And that's all I have ever wanted.
0: I love it. Well, uh, props for the fonts. I'm a font snob.
1: A Thank lot of you. Your gay,
0: B- gay BFFs are probably font snobs as well. Um, yes. It comes in a nice velvet black bag. It's very soft. There's a cute little dog tack on it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just well done all the way around with the packaging. Was that Thank fun you. to come up with, with the back and forth with the manufacturer? Like, what was that process like?
1: It was actually really fun because the manufacturer was not giving me any notes except to make sure that everything was the proper DPI. So I went on Tanva.com and I just started designing them. Right on. And I started just like working with fonts and some of them, you know, the whole time I'm thinking in my head, if you have something that is uh, centered on a gay man, it's got to be beautiful. Like right. it has to be oh. really nice. You're,
0: you're, bad font, you're dead. It's this like a dead. movie with a bad font? You're like, I know it's going to be bad.
1: Right. If someone busts out Comic Sans, I'm leaving.
0: (laughs) Right. You're not even going to get in the door.
1: (laughs) No. And so I played around with fonts. I played around with colors. And then, interesting story, I cheaped out on the bags, and I found this guy in India who could make these black bags for me and screen print the logo on them. So I had 50 of them made on Etsy for, like, I don't know, $20, whatever. And one of my besties was over, and I handed it to to her, and I said, what do you think? And she took the bag, and she said... This is Ask Your Gay BFF, and you have this chintzy bag? And I said, yeah. She goes, no. Wow. You have to have a really nice leather or velvet bag. And I'm like, leather? Are you kidding me? And I said, well, I can figure out velvet. So I found a velvet bag, and I loved it. And back to the conference I was at, where the professional TV conference, again, I, I ran into Fenton Bailey in the hallway. And I handed him the deck of cards in the bag. And the first thing he said was, oh, ooh, I love this velvet bag. And I was like, well, there you have it. There you go. So, We're
0: shallow. We can be bought with a nice fabric for sure. That's
1: that's not the point. I'm not saying you're shallow. I'm saying you've <laughs> got to have nice stuff. Yeah, and we have so, good
0: taste, I guess.
1: You have good taste, yeah. So it was like back and forth and back and forth. And each deck that I manufactured changed a little bit, tweaked a little bit. And they got to the point where they are now. But I just had a really interesting meeting with someone who gave me some really great notes. So... And they might adjust a little bit again in the next iteration.
0: We so use words I've got like, like iteration when we're making products. Iteration is something we say all the time.
1: Isn't I, it crazy?
0: I know. It's fun. Um, what was your focus group like for getting the responses from the cars? Did you get your gay B, BFFs together and have them be I, sassy? How'd that work? I
1: did. I did. So I got together with some of my friends. I just emailed them. And I said, tell me the 10 best ways you would say no to me or yes to me. And no holds barred, whatever you want. And so I got some really, really funny answers. And then I got some really like mean answers and just like some snarky stuff, not mean to me, but just generally very negative. And I also didn't want to punch down on these. You know, I wanted them just to be funny and ridiculous, but not mean. And so I went back and forth with that. And then I had like 50 or 60, maybe even almost a hundred answers. And even though I was the arbiter of taste for this product, I wanted to make sure that it went through the right filters because I needed to test it with the market. Right. And so I got together with some friends um, and he invited me over and he had a bunch of friends over and there was alcohol at a very tasteful mid-century table. And we laid everything out and we just started playing around with the answers and beating the, beating the jokes, making better, getting rid of some. There's one joke in there that I wrote that I love and it's too long and it doesn't really work, but I don't care because I'm madly in love with it and it's probably going to be gone the next deck. It's
0: not going to make the next iteration. It's got to make the next iteration. What's the joke? No. What's the uh, joke?
1: It's, it's, it's like, um, it's the, it's the Oprah one, which also is also very scary. It's like, is it a yes or a no? It is a yes. Okay. And it's like, I want to, I want to wrap that in, I want to dress that in off white cashmere and fawn all over it in Oprah's rose garden. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
0: That's it. That's a great. I vote for keep it. It's great. It works. It okay. creates an image, gives you a little Meghan Markle, Oprah post retirement from the Daily Show to her Montecito digs, where she's
1: right. So
0: that's what exclusive. inspired it. Because yeah.
1: Oprah's sitting there in off white cashmere talking to them, and I was like, come on. Yeah. So that's what inspired it.
0: There's a gigantic tree. You know, it's a feeling, it's a vibe, I, it works. Now, it is a vibe. If you're a gay, can you use the gay BFF Oracle deck? Does it work on me? Would it work on me if I had questions? Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah. because sometimes you get so much in your head that you really need another voice to give you guidance. And it's kind of like, Serena Williams has a tennis coach, okay? So sometimes you might have questions and you think, who can I ask that I trust? I'll ask another gay man. And right. so it's absolutely, a lot of them, uh, gay men are buying them for friends, but quite a few gay men are actually using them themselves. So there, there is that, there's an opportunity for if you're gay, you can use them. If you're straight, you can use them. You know, anybody can use them right. um, as long as you're not a hater.
0: Well, I have a couple yeah. of probing questions in my life that maybe we'll, we'll use them before we wrap up. We'll give it a try. We'll give it a spin. Love it. Love um, it. Have you heard from people that said, Hey, I kind of did this for real And it was right. It paid off.
1: Well, here's what's happening. So (laughs) I, a couple of people reached out to me and they said, well, let me do this. I was at a party right? and I had the deck and this guy said, I want to get another job. And I said, okay. I said, let's ask the deck. And he goes, am I going to get a new job? And he pulled the thing and it's no. And I said, well, hang on a minute. Why don't you ask exactly what you want? Well, I want a job that's da 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 da. Pull the card, no. And I said, again, you're you you're not laying out what you want. And I sat with him for 25 minutes, <laughs> and he just kept deciding. He's like, well, actually, I want a job that allows me to do this, but I want to do that. And it didn't really dawn on me, but I really want to do this, and you know, I really want to do that. And I suddenly I become like this life coach, right? Right. And he's and he gets to the point where he really says, okay, here's what I want, and he lays the whole thing out pulls a card and it gets a yes. And this seems to be happening a lot, which is really interesting. It's that people will ask, am I going to meet someone nice? You know, they pull the thing is like, no, well, I mean, or, you know, yes, or whatever. And it's like, well, you can meet someone nice who picks up the poop in the front yard of your house after their dog poops. they like, what does that mean? Right. And so now I'm actually sitting with people like, just for funsies, doing Oracle deck readings. And what is happening is it's I don't know. I don't really want to speak to the magical qualities of the deck. The deck is fun. But what's happening is the deck is forcing people to get really real about what they want. Right. Which in itself is a really good result. Right. Because you can't manifest what you want if you don't know what it is.
0: I agree. And and I do a dream board every year and I get teased for it. But I find that it's a really fun exercise because you get to think about what you want where there's no stakes and then, when certain opportunities come along, you don't hem and haw, you're like, "Oh, I wanted to go to London, and there's a chance, yes, like you don't go and eh, eh, eh. you're like, "You know what I mean, like so it's yeah. certain things in motion in my life that have paid off beautifully, not because it's so magical, but because it takes away the I don't know of it all, like you sort of go for it more, I think um I, I, I love think it. Just-
1: inspires people to ask for what they really want. Yes. And until you know what you really want, you're probably not going to know how to go for it or get it.
0: So in terms of drawing the card from the deck, is there a Mm -hmm. technique? Do you just take the top one? Do you just pick anyone? Like, is there a magical or a a prescribed way of withdrawing the card?
1: So there are lots of ways that you can interact with an oracle deck. You can set piles for like past, past, present, future. What I like to do is I like to not let other people touch my Oracle deck. Ooh. I like to keep it very connected to me. And so I keep it in the bag. And then people will say, can I do blah, 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 you know, last question. And I'll let them draw the card. But I keep the deck connected to me because I feel as if I have a connection with this deck wow. and it's reading me and it's reading my energy. And my energy is that of help and humor and fun. And so I have no agenda. Right. Um, except just to have, have fun. So I let people draw a card, and then I will shuffle the deck. I don't let other people shuffle my deck. like I'm very proprietary about it, right. but um that's what I do. I'm sure there's lots of different ways to do it, and there's probably a way to turn this into a game. Um, I haven't figured that out yet because I've just been so focused on the quality and the writing that there actually probably is a secondary usage for this. But sure. right now I'm focused on just giving people an opportunity to ask questions and then strangely turning into some wacko life coach that forces them to get real about what they really want which i'm not a life coach i'm a tv producer and a writer and an author so the fact that i'm even like making these oracle cards is really really fun but in a million years i would have never expected this
0: now in your bio i read that when you were deciding whether or not to try to blow it into a business um you used the actual deck to help you make that decision is that right
1: That's right. I was at a, I was at a party and a bunch of people were saying some really encouraging things to me because I had one of my samples there. And I would just, just to myself, I thought, you know, this is so encouraging. Should I, should I actually form an LLC and turn this into an actual business? And I reached in the thing and I pulled the card and said, yes, yes, a thousand fucking times. Yes. And I'm sitting there around this fire pit with a bunch of really fancy people who've manifested a lot of shit. And I thought, how many more messages do I need? I mean, it's right here. Right. And so that's what inspired me to take it over the finish line and form this company. And now I'm running a company and going to the post office and printing labels. And it's crazy. And it's so much fun.
0: I notice in my life that whenever somebody says, well, it's a little woo-woo, but I'm all in. When everyone says it's woo-woo as a disclaimer, I'm like, I lean in. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not super like that, but I, it's never a... Pejorative to say something's woo-woo. I'm like in. Um yeah. where does that come from for you? Was that something you always had, a sort of belief in the woo-woo of it all? Or was that something that life kind of brought to you?
1: I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, the woo-woo kind of person. I don't have like altars and I I don't really collect crystals and I don't do a lot of that stuff, but I'm a very intuitive person. I have been my whole life and I've been able to see things with very prescient things very easily in the future. Not lottery numbers, obviously, but (laughs) I'm definitely a highly psychic person. And it's something that I've sort of managed most of my life, but never really honored or leaned into or wanted to turn into a thing. I just knew about it. And I've also been really, really great at reading people and seeing things that are going to happen. So I've had a really good opportunity to look into the future. But I've never been the kind of person who's, you know, going to do that woo-woo stuff. However, I have friends who are psychics and I have friends who are shamans and I spend a lot of time with different groups of people. So I would I would say that I'm very open to such things. And I'm with you. If someone says that, you know, I want to do this thing, I'm like, well, cool, let's try it. Because who's to say that everything we think is woo-woo isn't right and everything we think is right is actually bonkers?
0: Exactly. So, and, and I don't see any glory in being... Skeptical. I, I I know some people that makes them feel good. It doesn't make me feel good to be like mm, that's not science or whatever. Like, like I'm, I'm more intrigued by the other stuff, the mysterious stuff that we don't know. Well, you said you have you felt like you have psychic ability. How would that manifest? What would happen? Would you have thoughts around things that were going to happen to you? How would it occur?
1: <laughs> I'll tell you a really embarrassing story. So, oh those are the um, best. <laughs> so I was working in Nashville for this company and. I had to hire a bunch of models for like it was for new product launch for this company, and I was their marketing manager in Nashville and before I left for Nashville, uh, my husband bought me a vibrator, right? So I had it in my nightstand in my bedroom drawer.:
0: It's so sweet because Nashville big, is a big vibrator <laughs> town, it's a big vibrator <laughs> town.
1: <laughs> well, he was afraid maybe I wouldn't be able to find one there.
0: and <laughs> smart because so... given all that's going on in Tennessee, it was a, it, that was prescient. Thank you. yeah, thank Tying you it all together.
1: And so um, the, one night, I have this dream that these mean girls go through my nightstand drawer, find my vibrator, and then humiliate me. Oof. And it was a horrible nightmare. The next day, a bunch of models come to my apartment to get dressed because we're going out on this product launch. And they go in my bedroom. And I'm not really paying attention to things they're getting ready for this thing. They go out, you know, to, we, we, hit, we hit the road. And on the way there, one of the guys, one of the gay guys that I'd befriended in this group that I'd hired, really all of the men were gay and all of the women were bitches. Um, not in a good that way. That might be
0: the title of this episode. I always build a <laughs> quote, something that just trips off the tongue. But yeah, go ahead.
1: And he pulls me aside and he's like, Wendy, you need to know about something. And I'm like, what for Nashville? What could possibly happen? He's like, one of the girls went through your drawer. She's now flirting with the vice president of the company. We're talking a giant company. And she's gonna tell him that you have a vibrator in your nightstand. Now, when I'm twenty-something years old, that's horrifying. Do it today, and I'd be like, Who the fuck cares? Right. But back then I'm like like worried about this job and it's this giant multinational company and this guy and and he goes. We're trying, to, we're trying to stop her. We're protecting you. Like, th- these guys are, like, so lovely. And they're literally protecting me from this horrible girl. But exactly what I dreamed would happen, happened the next day.
0: Yeah. That's freaky.
1: Yeah. And I actually went to the modeling agency, Miss Jerky McJerks in Nashville. And I said, you have to fire so-and-so because she went through my drawers and I don't trust her with corporate secrets. And now she's doing a product launch, and she's going to be around a lot of important documents, perhaps. And she's going to know what our strategy is. And she needs to be fired right now.
0: Wow. And so I fired her. There it is. There, there it I is. Am. Wow. But
1: um, that, that was it. I saw it happening, and I should have taken my vibrator out of my nightstand, obviously, but I didn't.
0: And yeah. they found it. But who's, who do you, who, thinks that somebody's going to use that in a weird way like it wouldn't occur to you so
1: yeah why would you even look at that yes. apparently one of them said that they needed a scissors to cut off some tags on their dress or something and so they look at my nightstand for a scissors that's what they said and i don't believe it but whatever i'm over it
0: there it is um so you've worked in entertainment media different events like freelancing or do you tend to stick with one company where do you where does that work for you
1: I have been staffed for a bunch of really interesting places, and I've also freelanced at a lot of places. And, uh, right now, I'm at the point in my career where I'm not sure if it's left me for a younger woman or not, but. Right, so am I'm, I. Right? But, uh, I'm still freelancing and doing stuff, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard out there for a pimp. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure, but now that this is happening and growing so quickly, I don't think I want to be applying for jobs that, for which I would be Pretty well suited because I think I'm just going to be doing this thing for a minute and having a lot of fun working for myself and talking to people like you.
0: Well, here's what I've observed about my game and stuff like that. It's been so fun and fulfilling to bring people together, and it has a different temperature than show business. Like, Mm -hmm. I I have a, a media job now that I'm considering not doing anymore because it's gotten so hard Just in terms of the people are nice enough, but the demands, like, and I just think that having something separate from that has been such a gift for my sanity. It has Mm -hmm. been, not every business has the show business vibe. There's something different about it. And I feel myself going, oh, well, that meeting was perfectly functional or nice or it's different. And I don't know if I'm making any sense, but can you relate to what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I grew up on television. As a kid, I was in commercials. And so I've been working in this industry for almost my entire life. And there is something about that is, I don't want to say, but this is, it's very negative and it's very divisive uh, by design. And it, there's a ton of possibility, but there's also no shortage of people who want to just destroy you. And I've spent a lot of my career making other people very rich and famous. And I think that was fine. And I made a lot of money and I have an Emmy award and everything is groovy and I have a house, but it's not even remotely fulfilling. And being able to do something outside of the entertainment industry is is actually a gift because if you know how to produce, but you're not working as a producer, you have a very distinct advantage. Like I've looked at other people's decks and other people's videos and I'm like oh my god what are you doing here and so at least I know enough as a producer as a content creator to move into something else that's not in the entertainment industry and it helps me but it's like we I keep looking for that ripcord that I can pull to get out of the entertainment industry because it's like you know it's like the the godfather I get out and it just keeps pulling me back but that's how I pay my bills right now so I'm not complaining but You're right. There is something very, very nice about not being in this industry.
0: And I think we're brought up to believe that if we want to be in that business, we have to be devoted to it in a way that shuts out anything else. Like if you don't want it the most or love it the most, the show business gods won't shine on you. And I think that's bullshit. Like if you can do another thing well and you enjoy it, I think that makes you more interesting and you can hang in longer because you're not as desperate. You know?
1: Yeah, you're 100%, you're 100% correct. Plus, everybody in the entertainment industry, so many people are developing ideas and looking for interesting people who are doing interesting things. So, you have a distinct advantage by not being in the entertainment industry, uh, providing that you actually have a, a career interest in being in the entertainment industry. But, I've met lots of people who are like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, no. And it's very seductive and the whole concept of fame and all the things and getting to hang out with really famous, awesome people and all the things that you think about would be really groovy. And, I mean, okay, you get a lot of stories for parties, but ultimately, look at what you've accomplished in your life. Is it I hung out with George Clooney or is it I actually created something that brought a lot of laughter to people's lives?
0: I love it. Are people reaching out to you and just sharing stories about the deck or fun times that they've had with it?
1: What's happening now is I actually did a couple of Oracle readings, uh, and I posted it on Facebook, and a bunch of people reached out asking me for Oracle readings. And it's been really fun for me because I'm just kind of in between writing a couple projects and finishing a screenplay. So I'm sitting down with people completely for free and giving them Oracle readings and, like, sort of sliding into this life coach thing, but really all it is is that I'm basically producing, I'm basically producing the conversation and getting people to the whole point of what they really want. So I guess, I guess maybe a life coach is kind of like a producer. I don't know.
0: In a way. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a lot of overlap there for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, But I'm, I'm working with people now, people I don't even know and giving them Oracle readings and we're having a blast.
0: Now, you mentioned the Emmy Award. I want to know Mm -hmm. what it was for and what it was like. Did you go to the ceremony? Where's the statue? Everything about it.
1: Okay. Uh, Yes, I was a writer on the Wayne Brady Show, uh, the daytime show, and um, we were nominated for an Emmy, daytime Emmys, which were at uh, Radio City which was really cool to walk into like radio city. Like I went to the celebration and there's like a long red carpet. And it's really funny when you're a nobody on the red carpet, because like, let's say, you know, the cast of days of our lives is before in front of you. And then like Alex Trebek is behind you. So it's like, you're yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. And you're that, you're <laughs> exactly. that, you're that gap where nobody's right. in Right. Yeah. But um, so that was cool. Like doing that whole walk and going into the theater and then, Wayne's wife didn't want to sit up front with the celebrities. She wanted to sit in the back with the producers. And Wayne was hosting the show, and we'd already, like, written his jokes for the night. So because I was a writer, they kicked Lee Farber and me, both of us writers, into the high front up seats wow. where Mandy Brady was going to be sitting because she wanted to sit. With them. So we were literally, like, extricated from the from the cool kids and sent to, like, our own little private Idaho uh, right behind, like... LeVar Burton, I think, and, like, I don't know.
0: Who's aging very well, by the way. Yeah, Levar I ran
1: into Burton. him on the street. He's quite lovely. He's anyway, lovely. so.
0: He's got it.
1: Um, they, they called out, you know, the winner of the best daytime talk show, and it was a tie. And the first one was The View, and it was the first time The View ever won, and they went, yay, and The View ran up. So what didn't occur to me is they do it alphabetically. So if The View, be, you know, View, comma, right. the one. We're the only ones that left. So like, and the other winner is the Wayne Brady show. And we ran up there and you like, you're standing on the stage at, at Radio City Music Hall. And they, they hand you the trophies right there, which is super cool. And, you know, Wayne gave a speech and Bernie Brillstein was standing back there. And Bernie Brillstein, if you're not familiar, is like a, the, one of the most impressive, amazing producers and managers of all time. And he used to hold court at the Wayne Brady show and one day he said, yeah, I produced Letterman, I produced Billy Crystal, and I'll probably win my first Emmy for this piece of shit. So it's like, <laughs> so, so you got Bernie up there, he's like the greatest person ever. He's like Jewish Santa. Right. And they get the awards and then you go backstage and who is coming but, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Art Linkletter. Oh, my like gosh. Out, like out of the shadows, like like an apparition. He's still, he Link- was still alive
0: at the time. Kids say alive. the hardest things. Okay. With
1: a bow tie and the whole thing. And he walks right up to us, and we're all holding Emmys. And he looks at us, and he goes, remember these moments, because they do not happen very often. And then he just kind of, like, vanishes
0: into the <gasps> eaves. was like, like he might have been a ghost.
1: It might have been Ghost of Art Linkletter. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it was really cool. <laughs> And then you go to like the big celebration afterwards. And I saw Susan Lucci and I had her pose and like, Hey, I've got more of than you. And she could not have been nicer. And all these people. And you're like walking around. Carrying oh, I love it, that she
0: committed to the bit. She went with the lovely. bit. Yeah. She's best. lovely.
1: And, and then I, I said to my husband, I said, I want to go to White Castle. Cause I love White Castle so much. And you know, here in LA where there's no White Castle. And I said, let's go to Whitey's. There's one across from Macy's like on 7th by 34th or whatever. And. I want to bring my Emmy to White Castle. Right. And he's like, goes, yeah, no. I'm like, but, but it'll be so funny. He's like, you're going to get mugged. Someone's going to steal your Emmy. And you really shouldn't be eating that much gluten and meat at three in the morning.
0: <laughs> you just want an Emmy. Come in. You know, you should have some grace, I think.
1: Thank you very much. Right. I mean, but I listened to him because he was right. And so I didn't get to take my Emmy over to White Castle and sit there eating a bunch of hamburgers with my Emmy in front of me. Kind of like the Faye Dunaway, except instead of like at the party, it's at it's at uh, you know White Castle. But <laughs> it's like my, it must be my Vanity Fair party. But um, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. And then getting it home through airport security is no joke because it's right. like very big and pointy. But by the time we got there, they already seen a bunch. They're like, yeah. hey, congrats, get on the plane. So it was cool. But it was really cool to write a show and win an Emmy, and I I'm really grateful for the experience.
0: Where's the Emmy now?
1: On my fireplace mantle. Or nice. fire? I mean, it's got to be there.
0: Yeah, it looks good. It's good. Um, yeah. I interviewed Leslie Jordan and he traveled oh. with his and it got damaged in the flight and broke. And he said there's actually an Emmy hospital where you take it. Like it was a whole saga. So I'm glad yours traveled very, very safely. So, yes. All right. Well,
1: it's like the American Girl Doll Hospital. That's so funny. And the Emmy Hospital. I had no idea.
0: I think we need to scheme and figure out how to get on list of Oprah's favorite things. How do we do yes. that? You know that's I been on my dream know. board for a while, for years. Yeah. So, all right, we're gonna. Figure I used out. to
1: work for the Oprah Show.
0: Oh yeah, what was it like? What era?
1: Uh, uh, I was there for the very last days of Debbie Demayo, and actually, my biggest mistake ever in show business happened at the Oprah Winfrey Show.
0: Ooh, that's <laughs> a chilling sentence to say out loud. Ever made. What did you do? Can you tell us?
1: I can. It's a story, but okay. I like it. I'm, so... in. I'm settling
0: in. I'm going to pick a card. <laughs> um, this seems so very wrong. So yes, that's what my <laughs> Oracle card says. It wants, to tell, it wants you to tell the story.
1: Okay. So I lived in Chicago and I thought, if I just get a job at the Oprah Winfrey show, my life will be set. And so like I constantly tried to get jobs there and they never hired me. And then they were looking for someone to go undercover at diet centers. So they needed somebody overweight and I was overweight at the time. And so I got hired to work for Oprah because I was fat and I was going to diet centers with, with my best friend who was carrying a bag, who was carrying a camera in a bag. But it was just like this crazy situation. Anyway, Oof. I was there. It was crazy. It was a horrible place to work. Everybody was super stressed out. I was working for a gentleman uh, whose name I will not share. But it was a very stressful time. And I just wanted so badly to be there. And they moved me onto another show called Would You Risk Your Life to Save a Stranger? Wow. And it was stories of people who risked their lives to save total strangers. And they put an associate producer in charge as a producer, and they moved me up. I was like a researcher, associate producer, and they, they assigned me under her. Mind you, I had no idea what's going on. I don't know anything. I'm like as right. green as green can be. No one's trained me. She's writing a script. We're, I'm working from 7 in the morning till 3 in the morning every day. Like, it's little things. Like, you run out of underwear. Like, it's really a difficult place to work, but wow. it's also the most amazing, well-organized, beautiful, everybody at the top of their game place to work. Like, there are no slackers there. It is an amazing place. Well, it was an amazing place. So this time comes to shoot the episode, Would You Risk Your Life to Save a Stranger? And I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So I decide to hang out in the booth behind Debbie DeMeo, who was the executive producer and used to wear this long cloak and walk around like Darth Vader. People were terrified of her. Like, she'd be walking down the hall and be like, dun i am right. like, okay. So I'm in the back, and she, in between, like, one or two, the second and third act or whatever, and she's scrolling through the script to see what's coming up in the next act. And I see something on the prompter, and I think, hmm... I don't think that's the guy who's supposed to be in the next act. I think that script is wrong. Oh, what wow. do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And so I go, um, excuse me. And Debbie turned out, she's like, what? And I go, uh, I think the script is wrong, and I think that's not the person who's actually in the next act of the show. And she's like, ah, Judy. I'm like, ah, okay, okay. So I run out of the booth. I run down the hall. <laughs> I see Judy standing. Right, right, exactly. Ducking under videotapes. Right. I'm running, I see Judy standing in the studio. I run up. I'm like, "Ah, Judy, there's a problem in the booth and Debbie needs to see you. And then my vision sort of widens out and I realize that Judy, not a real name, is talking to Oprah and I have interrupted them in the building that Oprah owns, on the block that Oprah owns, in the studio that Oprah owns. And Oprah turns and looks at me like, what the actual, who the fuck? And she's like, and Judy's like, fine. And now I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I go back out into the hallway, outside the booth. Judy goes into the booth, comes out, tears streaming from her face, and says to me, don't you ever speak to me again. And I'm like, copy that. I literally walk upstairs to my office, take everything off my desk and leave because I know I'm fired. I know it. And I leave. Wow. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm persona non grata for the rest of my life with anyone who's ever worked here. Oprah probably hates me. You know how it's like, you, you always think everyone is thinking about you. They're not, but I was just like, for you, fast forward years later. I am now an executive producer at the at the Oxygen Network, owned by Oprah. Wow! And I see that Debbie DeMeo is working at NBC, where I worked for many years. I still continue to work for them. And I was like, I want to call Debbie DeMeo. So I call her, I'm like, Hey, Debbie, Wendy Miller, I used to work on the show. She says, Yeah, I kind of remember. I said, I just want to let you know that you're part of my biggest mistake in showbiz. And she goes, What? And I tell her the story, and she goes. Well, hang on a minute. Was the teleprompter wrong? And I said, yeah, it turned out the teleprompter was wrong. And she said, okay, you may think you made the biggest mistake ever, but what you did is you actually saved that producer's ass. Because if we had to shoot that intro and then go back at the end of the show and realize we got it wrong and reshoot everything, Oprah would have been really fucking mad. So you, that, you didn't screw up. And I thought, oh, my God. I risked my life to save a stranger.
0: Yes, you did. <laughs> and
1: suddenly I'm exonerated from all the guilt that I yes, carried. Yes, because I was listening my...
0: to that going, what was your big mistake? You were trying to help the show. You did what you thought was best to help the show. Why was yeah, she but... crying? When, when, when she came out of the control room, what was what was she so upset about? Had she well, gotten yelled at?
1: Probably, because Debbie Demayo was fucking terrifying. Yeah. And so, excuse me, and so... And so she probably got screamed at. Yeah. I mean, I was yelled at a few times there for yeah. whatever reason. So, right. yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting. Pretty
1: crazy story. All um.
0: right. Wow, that's a good one.
1: But okay. maybe maybe Oprah doesn't remember yeah. that I interrupted her once so we could get on her My, favorite, on things her My favorite
0: Things list. Or maybe she we has to, to make up for it. it. <laughs> maybe because people are remembering. People, people are, it's not so cool now to scream at people in offices. They still mm. do it but it's a little less uh, cool. Um, Mm. You picked a couple questions from my deck of cards, my observation deck, before we started. One of them is this. Have you ever written a fan letter or email?
1: Yes, I have. Uh, When I was working at Game Show Network, I wrote this promo about Betty White, and the only way she could possibly be in so many game shows is that she was actually a robot and that there were numerous Betty Whites. Right. And I wrote her a letter, and I said how much I loved her, and I sent her a copy of it and she wrote back and she said oh my god this is so funny thank you for sending this i still have the letter and she goes i assure you i'm not a robot i mean just the coolest thing ever i also wrote a fan letter to ann margaret and a goddess she wrote that right did she write that? she did write back so and what, I wrote what a-
0: era Anne margaret like when were you into her
1: I I grew up obsessed with Ann Margaret. The right. Swinger is my all time favorite movie, and right like, Bye like Bye Bye Birdie is like, like number two. She does the that, whole thing, yes. it's like yeah. the whole thing. I love I love Ann Margaret so much. I wanted a motorcycle because of Ann Margaret. I have an unnatural uh, attraction to people with red hair because of Ann Margaret. Like I I literally love her so much. And it was when was it? it was like the mid eighties? She was touring. And I knew she was staying at the Ritz Carlton, and so I wrote a note, and um, I wrote it to Mrs. Roger Smith, so they'd give it to her. And that's um, her husband's name. Yeah, that was her husband's name. I believe Science it was Roger right Smith. On, yeah, okay. right. And I left it at the front counter of the Ritz Carlton, and she got it, and she wrote me something very kind back. And so yeah, I've written some. I've written some fan letters. I have.
0: But you've gotten good responses from them. They were worth it. Yeah, I have.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: I love it. Another question you picked, what's the worst job you ever had <laughs> that we have already covered?
1: Um, when I was working at the Wade Brady show, uh, the head of daytime programming for ABC was this horrible mo- woman. And even though I sat next to her every day in the booth, she never, ever spoke to me, ever. And one day, during the middle of the taping, I had to run to the bathroom. And I went to go in the bathroom, and who was right behind me? But TV's Della Reese walked into the bathroom right behind me which was really cool because we were shooting at Television City and she was probably doing some show or something. Right. And I did my thing. She did her thing. We go leave the bathroom. I walk back into the booth and for the first time ever, the ABC head of daytime programming says to me, hey, Wendy, what's new with you? And I said, I just peed next to Della Reese. (laughs) And literally, you can hear her, like all the air was sucked out of the booth and everyone's just like, because she was like this big, scary shit epaulettes in her blouses to make you know she was real fancy and uh she was like and she walked away from me it was literally the only time she ever spoke to me and then she went back to never talking to me again so i don't know if it's the worst job i've ever had but it's one of the worst slash redeeming moments i ever had working for someone terrible
0: that was the best answer she could have hoped for the most fun answer and that says to me she's not a fun person
1: Oh, please, you don't need to you don't need anybody to tell you. If you spoke one second with her, you'd know she's not a fun person. The epaulettes on her blouses and the Etienne Egner shoes will tell you everything you need to know about this bitch. Anybody who's wearing white patent leather shoes and epaulettes on their blouses, you know it is not fun. I'm sorry, but it's a fact.
0: It's true. Um, what's your most fun show business job? What was the one you were like, this one ticked all the boxes? I wish it had gone on forever.
1: Oh gosh, I've been so lucky. Um I'll tell you again, you know, like all these Wayne Brady show moments. But we're back at the Wayne Brady show. It's not my best ever, but I'm obsessed with Christmas, Christmas movies, Christmas specials. Like I grew up watching Andy Williams and The Carpenters, and like all those great Christmas specials. I'm obsessed with Christmas specials. And we decided to do a Wayne Brady Christmas special. And I actually wrote the song for the show that got radio play, and it was like this the non-denominational holiday song, and Wayne sang it on the show, and it was like. It was just one of the most fulfilling moments of my life when that show ended and everybody was just cheering and screaming. And that was just a really, really great afternoon. I have so many happy moments from working in TV. I've been so lucky and I've worked with so many amazing people. I've interviewed a ton of celebrities, tons and tons. And I've written a lot of really fun stuff. But I'm just going to go with the vibe of the Christmas special because I love Christmas so much.
0: Right. It's warm and cozy.
1: It is. And I just I just love it. It's, I, you know, I worked at Hallmark for two years writing a show there. And the, it was like every day was Christmas and I could not have been happier. It's like, it's like all I need is a glue gun and a dream, you know? And I'm just going to make things and create Christmas wreaths and projects. And so I just love it.
0: I recently had a podcast guest, my friend Alonzo Duraldi, who co-wrote a book about Deck the Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm. And we agreed that our favorite moment in any Hallmark Christmas movie is when somebody says, I barely even started decorating. And there is so much decorations <laughs> in that background. And they're just getting, they haven't even started. They haven't even started. And it's yeah. just Christmas everywhere. Christmas yeah. everywhere. Yeah.
1: And, just... and I got to I got to see how they made the secret sauce. You know, I yeah. got to be part of that. And I mean, the most talented set directors and people and access to all the coolest Christmas stuff. And. It was a blast to be there. I had a big smile on my face the entire time. It was so much fun.
0: I love it. Wayne Brady strikes me as someone that's good at everything that could uh-huh. come in and fix your computer. And he's like, I'm going to tap dance while I do it. Like, he's just good at everything. Am I, mm. Is That's my observation. Maybe it's just because I went to a taping of Dancing with the Stars where in between during the commercials, you could see, like, oh, he's in it to win it. He is in it to win it. He's working with Whitney behind the scenes. Also, because he had 17 other jobs at the time he was doing it. So he was probably, like, just behind. But, yeah, he's in it to win it.
1: Mm -mm. He's definitely very, very competitive and insanely talented. There's no question how talented he is. Is he the person I would have doing my IT? I don't know. (laughs) But if I needed, like, if I needed someone with, like, four seconds of rehearsal to step into a Broadway show with, you know... All of the critics sitting in the front row, and I have no other option but to throw Wayne Brady in there. Yeah. He's going to kill it. He's going to crush it. He's incredibly talented and fearless. Yes. So there's that.
0: All right. Speaking of TV shows, mm-hmm. I, am, I think I'm going to be uh, going to see a taping of The Price is Right on Tuesday. Ah. If I were going to uh, ask, ask your gay BFF cards a question about my Price is Right adventure— what what would a good question be? Is that a fun thing to try to do here on the pod?
1: Yes, why not? Okay. Uh, I'm obsessed with game shows. My wedding was a game show. Oh, you know. I,
0: I am too. My, what was your wedding like?
1: Our wedding was a game show, and it was on This American Life. And my husband and I played it straight. If we didn't score enough points, we were not going to get married.
0: <laughs> and Who came so up with the like, questions?
1: The night before the wedding, we sat there with the big newlywed game cards and asked each other questions and then wrote our answers. And then the ceremony was us asking the questions and then seeing what happened. And it was so fun. And we played it super straight and did terrible. (laughs) We did so badly. And then
0: then it says to you, you have so many things to learn about each other in this marriage, right? In a way, it's encouraging.
1: Tennis. I'm there spinning was a, it. There is a chance that the last question was rigged, <laughs> just in case we were doing so badly. Right? And uh, I've rigged yeah. a few
0: games in my day. I get it.
1: But there, there. I mean, this is not 21. Okay, we just right. like there's no money here. We're just we gonna get married. But I mean, people were sitting. In, in the audience, like, oh, like, literally freaking yeah. out because they thought we were not going to get married. So it was, there was no one standing up at our wedding. Our, you know, our, 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 the person marrying us looked like Phil Donahue. We right. had like a band. We had an announcer. Like we had our own George Feniman. Like it was like this whole thing set up. So it was really, really fun. And, um, so the question you asked, could the gay BFF card somehow help you on the prices right? I suppose there are certain tropes about the Price is Right, and we could ask those, like, should you wear, should you wear some cornball shirt?
0: Yeah, because the was... people I'm going with are exploring shirt options. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you wouldn't ask it, will I, get, will I make it to contestants row? That's not a question.
1: I mean, yeah, you could ask that. You could ask anything you want this is America. That's right. Mean, All right.
0: Um, here's my question. Will I make it to contestants row on the Price is Right? And I'm just going to pick one of these cards out of the deck. Just pick one. Okay. Like a bi-curious Marine with a weekend pass, I am all over this. Yes! I'm going to make it to contestants row. Like a bi-curious Marine. That is so right from the headlines. I love it. I love it. I love it. it.
1: Um, Well, let's keep asking. Are you going to get to spin the wheel?
0: Am I going to get to spin the big wheel? Um, If it were Bob Barker, I would ask the question... If I don't get it all the way around, will Bob Barker rip me a new asshole? <laughs> he was so mean to people that couldn't make that thing go all the way around. He was he like, "You, surely you are a piece of shit. Get off of the <laughs> stage. Do you remember that? Like, yes. if you couldn't make it all the way around, he did not. Well, he was old. He doesn't have all, you know, times. Yeah. He doesn't have all day. Okay, so all my right. question is, will I, on the Drew Carey version, get to spin the big wheel, which is a dream? Okay. Uh oh, it says Uh-oh. yes, but please do something about those brows first. <laughs> it's just so good because one of my best friends is a brow expert, so maybe I can have some consulting happen before the big, for the before the big show.
1: I would not ignore that because it might be connected. So right. definitely get your brows did before, before it's the prices right.
0: It. Before the prices right. I like it. I have marching orders now. I like it. I like it. I, I like th- it.
1: I think um, that's a general rule for yes. everyone. Yeah. Get your brows down before doing brows right.
0: I have another serious question. I okay. have come to the end of a project that I work that I work on for work, and it's gotten the demands of that particular gig have become too hard physically, and I'm mm-hmm. about to renegotiate. And I'm trying to figure out if I want to leave it completely and try to double down on the things I do myself, like what we're talking okay. about, or okay. if I should try to. Uh, how to? Ex- I don't know. It's I'm still kind I of in the throes you, of it. Well,
1: the question, I mean you could you could you could just do fastball straight down the middle and yeah. say, should I leave that job that is no more is no longer sparking joy in me?
0: Yes, that's the question. Should I leave that job that is no longer sparking joy in me? I'm in a nervous wreck right now. I'm such a nervous no. wreck. All right, Let's I'm going to take this FF question. That yes, But you should know I wasn't totally listening. (laughs) That's the ultimate gay BFF card. I I think for my money, that really, that narrows it down. Wow. Okay. You got a yes. I got a yes. All right. I'm empowered by it. It's fun. There's something fun. fun, but it's not frivolous. There's something about it, right?
1: Yeah, there's something about it. And the more real you are with how you ask the question, the more real the answers are. I can't explain it. And and there's some sort of Christmas magic going on. I don't know. Right. But it's kind of almost like you just have to trust it. And sometimes you get a no. Like, sometimes you might say, should I, you know, be with this person? Yeah. And And you get a no. And it's like, you can choose to ignore it, but... Uh, I met this woman at my favorite place, Home State, and she was dating this guy. It sounded like such a loser. And she goes, should I keep dating him? And I said, oh, pull a card. And it said no. And she's like, hmm. And then I came back like another week later. What am I kidding? I'm there, like every three days. And so I said, what happened? She goes, I'm still with the guy, and he's a jerk. And I'm like, what did the cards tell you? <laughs> I said, let's ask again. And she's like, should I stop dating this guy? It's the thing, yes. And I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. She finally breaks up with him. And I said to her, how would that feel? She goes, it's amazing. In fact, the day I broke up with him, I met another guy and we're having so much fun. So, I mean, it's very listen, they are for entertainment use yes. only. Sure. I'm not telling you to self diagnose that lump on your neck right. or whether or not you should refinance your mortgage. These are important things. You should consult professionals. Right. But sometimes you just want to ask the advice of a gay man who is fucking honest, real, and hilarious.
0: Yep. And has no F's to give. Um, That's right. What was the card that was too edgy to make the deck?
1: (laughs) I I had a few. I have to to take a look. I have some of my, I have like a stack of prototypes over here that I'm keeping. I don't even know why. Like for the, for the lobby of my big uh, office when people come in, I'll just have them on display. But uh, there were a couple things in there that they just came off mean. Yeah. And I didn't want to be mean. Like, there was one that was almost like questioning mental health. Like, what are you, what are you fucking nuts? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And even though that's something we all say, that's also could be very triggering for people. Sure. So I wanted to be mindful of what might hurt people's feelings. I have a, I have a son who is transgender. I ran everything past him to make sure that there was nothing that I missed. I have also, he warned me that there's a lot of, turns about cultural appropriation with black women and gay men. And so I ran the cards past a lot of other people just to make sure that everything was potentially not offensive because I don't want to offend people. And that's hard with humor because, you know, comedy is tragedy plus time. And so a lot of humor is rooted in sadness and disaster. But there are some things that are just you could do better. You know, yeah. and so there, there are a couple things that I thought were funny, but also potentially offensive. And I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be offending someone.
0: Right. Um, you mentioned a place called Home State. Uh, oh, what yeah. is it? Your eyes lit up. What, do I need oh to know God. about it? Is it right you here in do. the valley? If, what is it?
1: There's one, in, there's one right here in the valley. And then there's one, I think in, um, where is it? Like there's there's one in Echo Park or there's one. Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank right there, but it's basically a Tex-Mex <gasps> place with the most insane peso, homemade tortillas, <sighs> this brisket that is for life. Like, it gives me so much life, this brisket. I'm sorry, but I'm having lunch there today because I can't. I didn't I can't think
0: it. you were going to say Tex-Mex because home state doesn't sound like Tex-Mex. It sounds yeah, it's like not... American food.
1: It's very much with the Texas root because of the queso, uh, yes. and the, the, the brisket is so braised slowly, and it's just delightful. Uh, and they have breakfast tacos all day long. They have Frito pie. You know, I, I wish I, I were prepared for this. I can give you, like, the URL, but Home State is the joint. And if yes. you go to the one in Sherman Oaks, you'll probably see me sitting at the counter, giving people Oracle readings, because that seems to be happening whenever I'm I love I'm it. There.
0: We'll have to do that. We'll have, to have a, we'll a meet-up there, and we'll do a, an official in-person meeting.
1: I would love to okay, do that. We'll Please say when. I'll buy you some we'll queso. I,
0: oh, I, you know, tortillas, chips. I have this theory that I'm going to die and go to the next life, and God, whoever kind of gives you your score, mm-hmm. I think they're going to say, you know what, Dennis? You could have had all your dreams come true, everything you wanted, the lovers, the career, if you'd just been able to lay off the chips. I think that's going to be the lynch. That's what I think is going to happen. You're shaking your head.
1: <laughs> Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get there, and whoever greets you says, I'm sorry you spent so much time worrying about eating chips. You should have had them. They're delightful. Thank and you. think of all the time you didn't have them.
0: Think, you are a magic person. You're a magic person. All right. Um, before we wrap it up, let people know how they can find your cards, how they can get, your, get a deck in their hands.
1: Absolutely. Go to cardtobelieve That's my store. Very and cute name. Is it card
0: T O or Card Two with the number? T right.
1: O card like Card to Believe. Right. And because I love everybody who's listening to this right now, you get a special ten percent discount on your order with the code Dennis. I and love so... nothing
0: more than being a discount code. I it makes me I get tingly. It's it almost almost erotic. If I'm being right, honest. like
1: you should yeah. put this in your special skills section of your resume. <laughs> I'm a
0: Discount code, <laughs> I love it. What a fun thing! You had these out in time for Christmas, where people stocking, stuffing stalkers, stocking stuffers. I can't Actually, say what I'm trying to. You get it. You're a Christmas no, person. No, I,
1: I, I, I only had a handful of them because I still didn't believe in myself. So I only made like 25 of them, and I was not prepared at such a large scale. Now I'm ready. Now I can yeah. scale up Next and Christmas. have you going to blow everybody's up? store. I can, I can get thousands of them made at scale. I'm yeah. ready for that, but I have to get the orders first. So the retail play is a little bit trickier, but I think it's going to, it's going to happen, right? It's
0: going it to totally going to happen. It's totally yeah. going to happen. I love it. The
1: cards told me, yes, yes, a thousand effing times. Yes. I mean, who else am I going to listen to? Yeah. But the Oracle cards
0: a thousand. I love it. Do you have any spinoff ideas?
1: I do. I'm yeah. actually creating some for a charity. There is a, there's a charity that needs to raise some money and it is for food insecure people and a lot of drag queens are involved with it. So I'm creating special cards for them. Amazing. There's also, I'm also creating cards potentially for an animal charity. This is actually the thing I'm most excited about is creating bespoke cards for fundraisers. So I know you do. I know you've done with, with match game at the LA LGBT center. Like we could create cards that in the voice of whomever or whatever to raise money for whatever charity we want to raise money for, as long as they're aligned with us, which you can already guess who I'm aligned with. But
0: That's a um, great thing. That's a great could, thing.
1: Yeah, and I'd be happy to design them and write them for free. Look at because you. Because it it's my way of giving back. It's my way of giving back. So if you have a fundraiser and you want some cards, reach out to me at it's at gmail.com. And we'll talk about it because I want to help you raise money for your good cause. You can charge whatever you want for these cards. Everybody's going to have a blast. And I would love to be part of that for you.
0: I love it. We have to give some of these away at the mismatch game and get the word out. Because we always do fun prizes. I'll reach out separate. That's so fun.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: All right. Here's my final question. Okay. What what is having this side project, this sort of surprise thing come into your life? What has it meant to you in your life?
1: I have a big birthday coming up in one year and a couple of days. So my birthday is the 19th and it's a nine birthday. And I did this 10 years ago and I'm going to do this again today, this year. I only want to do things that terrify me or that I don't know how to do. Because you meet people and they sort of get stuck in this world where they're dressing the same and they're eating the same and they're doing the same things and they never grow and they never try new things. And so I decided to start this company and form this LLC and start manufacturing cards and doing all this this, to prove to myself that I could do it because it's way outside of my comfort zone. This whole thing is way outside of my comfort zone. I'm a writer. Like I am writing subversive Christmas movies right now. Okay. Like this is not my thing. And getting to this project and knowing that it's bringing happiness to people and it's answering questions for people and is helping me meet other people, and literally turn into some sort of, uh, I don't know if I would be paid for life coach, it has it's... meant the world to me. Because as I said earlier, I think my TV career is leaving me for a younger woman. Yeah. So I want to do something that's fun. And right. out of nowhere, this might actually be it.
0: I, I don't love know. it. I relate to it. I support it. It makes me happy. I think it Inspires Thank other you. people that have ideas out there. Um, we're going to say if, if somebody's listening to this and they have an idea that they think they should pursue, should they pursue it? We're asking the deck. Um, oh. <laughs> right, there's the answer. There's the answer we want. Um, say yes to that mess. Yes. So that's a yes. <laughs> that's a yes. Yes. I love it. That
1: actually is a. That actually is a yes because it's yes if you are if you want cards made what for your anniversary or for you know to raise money for your neighborhood or blah 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 reach out I love and it. I'll help you. So yeah, say yes.
0: Yay. All right. This was super fun, Wendy. Thank you so much for doing the podcast.
1: This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. It's just been an incredible opportunity to meet you. Thank you so much.
0: And we're going to go to home state and ship it up. Okay. Okay. So it's on me. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Wendy Miller. Pick up your deck of cards at cardtobelieve.com. right. Instead of doing a So This Happened This Week, I'm going to do a So Lately I've Been Thinking About segment. So lately I've been thinking about the actor Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall on the show Succession. Um, I kind of fell in love with the show last year over the holidays. I kind of binged it all and caught up. And um, Jeremy is my favorite actor on the show. He plays Kendall, the son. And there's something so poignant about him he did this crazy rap and like he, I think he has soul I, for me he's the soul of the show and um, last year around this time an article came out in the New Yorker, a profile of him by Michael Shulman um, that really talked about the lengths that he goes to prepare to play the character, the things that he does that are, that are kind of methody, and in some of people's eyes over the top and is it necessary and there were quotes from his co-stars and things like that and It kind of blew up in a way that celebrity profiles don't often do in this day and age and got a lot of attention and, you know, shined a spotlight on, you know, is this over the top? Do actors really need to do all of that? Or can they just act my dear boy? Whatever that quote was or whatever. And I remember reading it and feeling bad for Jeremy Strong because I think actors are like magicians. I think what they do is amazing. And that they have the power to create this kind of reality that takes us along for the ride and I think that whatever an actor needs to get there, if it's not hurting other people, then sure, great. Does he need to do all that stuff? No, but he thinks he does and he does and he's amazing and just let him do his thing. So ever since then I've been kind of like Team Jeremy Strong and I felt like I don't know, I just think that it's such a unusual thing that actors do. It's such a special thing that we should let people have their process if it doesn't hurt other people. And so I just finished reading a new um, interview with him in GQ and he talks about that period of time and there were just a few little moments that I want to pick out. He talks about how embarrassed he was and how he felt shame when it came out and He felt like he goes, I haven't felt judged like that for a really long time. And it was kind of heartbreaking. But he also said that the reason he was doing the profile in GQ is that he didn't want to become guarded because of it. I don't know. I just found the whole odyssey. Um, I loved him before and felt connected to him on the show. You know, all of those characters were kind of despicable in their own ways. But there's something about him that touches my heart. And I think it's because of what he does to get there. I think he's one of my favorite actors. And this was before I knew, you know, um, some of his techniques or or how intensely he looked at it. I just loved him. I just know he he moved me. Um, And so seeing him sort of exposed that way and then kind of getting really hurt by it clearly and then moving through it and, and coming out the other side and being determined not to let it make him get in his head or become guarded I, I don't know I'm inspired by it and I'm excited for season four which should be coming out soon so anyway those are my deep thoughts for this week about Jeremy Strong uh, thinking about awards and all of that stuff that's been swirling for the last few months made me want to give a shout out and um, that's it for this week thank you for listening I want to give a shout out also to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes JB Bercy for uploading them my theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone bye